welcome to Dr. Michelle's Wild Warrior Podcast, the official podcast for all things body, brain, and soul. Dr. Michelle is a naturopathic physician, licensed acupuncturist, martial artist, yoga teacher, and aims to model optimal health. And now, here's Dr. Michelle. Well, I have a very special guest with me today, um, Sergeant Thomas Bend, yeah, right? Is that retired, right? yeah, Sergeant <laughs> Retired. <laughs> so welcome to Thank the podcast. You. I'm so happy Thank to have you, you here. Um, and um, yeah, I just, uh, I'm honored to have you because I think you just represent so many different things in healing and in help empowering people and helping people be stronger um, Thank you. and inspiring them to Thank be you. their best selves. Yes. Thank you so much. Yes. So thanks for joining me. Okay. Um, so let, let's start with your backstory a little oh, bit. Man. <laughs> so backstory, like when I was a little boy or backstory, uh, yeah, like, back, you know, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a neat one. I, I think the, you know, probably the really quick, uh, easy version. Uh, I was born and raised in Ohio mm-hmm. and I moved to Pennsylvania to go to college. Uh, so I went four years to college in Pennsylvania when I got out of college. Um, I did a couple little odd jobs, you know, right after I graduated. And then uh, my degree was in psychology. So I had this idea that I was going to be a, a practicing psychologist mm-hmm. or counselor. Uh, I graduated in 1991, 89, the American Psychological Association stopped licensing master's degree holders. So the plan was to go to college, get a master's degree, and then kind of to kind of do that. Um, so when that didn't happen, I was like, okay, if 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 I got to go get a doctor, is that something that I want to do right now? Uh, so I didn't do that. So I spent about a year writing behavior treatment plans uh, at a group home mm-hmm. uh, for kids. Uh, my best friend uh, at the time, he was uh, he was two years ahead of me in college. He was like my big brother, and whatever he did, I was going to do. <laughs> and he was a New York State trooper. Okay. So uh, the law enforcement bug kind of bit me. Uh, I entered, kind of took this kind of long route. Uh, I entered in through corrections. So I did corrections for about six months, and then probation and parole for about a year. And then I was a full-time police officer for 15 years and retired at the rank of sergeant. And, you know, during that journey, um, I was an academy instructor. And my job at the academy was uh, physical fitness was was kind of the primary area. But I was, by designation, I was what was called a physical skills instructor. So uh, physical fitness was one part of it, but also, you know, arresting control and handling violent and dangerous people. So I did that for about 13 and a half years. Wow. I was the lead trainer at one of Pennsylvania's police academies for, for that. So I did that and I just loved, I just loved training. Uh, so that's kind of some of the training backstory. And I've, I'm sure we'll get into more of it. I just had some great training friends and partners for about six years. One of my one of my training partners was uh, probably the best lightweight bodybuilder in the country. Nice. And, and so I, I, I did a lot of that stuff. So uh, when I retired from law enforcement in 2007, uh, my wife and I moved to Oregon. Mm-hmm. And so we've been here now for 13 years. Wow. And, and why did you choose Oregon? <laughs> so I guess, you know, body, brain, soul, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm a... 
I'm a pastor at a church mm-hmm. uh, as well. So I was out here in 2000. And just when I was out here in 2000, I was led to, um, I just felt led that this was going to be our home at some point, at some point. So when we pulled the pin on my career in 2007, um, my wife and I, we, we loaded up or us and our two little girls at the time, they're not little anymore. They're 20 and 21. Time works. Yeah. 20 and 21. And, uh, so we moved here and, uh, and then we've been here ever since. Amazing. So, so that's kind of the the quick and dirty that yeah, gets yeah. that gets us right here. Mm-hmm. So that's a little bit about who I am. And how did so did you feel settled when you moved here? I mean, was it one of those things like yes, I'm home. This is the, where I want to be. Or did you oh, absolutely. I, I no, we 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 love it here. And you know, as our girls get older, and and mom and I, you know, we're becoming empty nesters. Uh, I think there's a lot more that we would like to see and do, but mm-hmm. we're, we're convinced that this is home base. Gotcha. Yeah. And you can <laughs> so, venture out from yeah, there. we can venture out from there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And do you do some of the outdoor stuff that this area has you know, to No, I, it's, it's, you know, anybody that, you know, understands entrepreneurship, <laughs> it was like, you know, I'm probably more busy now retired uh-huh. than, than I ever was you know, working. Uh, so we spend a lot of our time, um, you know, at the gym or just kind of around. I've done some things. Uh, uh, I grew up in Pennsylvania and Ohio. We get lots of snow. Yeah. Lots of snow. And everybody that's like, oh, ski and snowboard. And, uh-huh. and I go, yeah, that's because you don't shovel that stuff all the time. <laughs> it's right. like when you, when you live in it for like nine months, you don't want to play in it. Yeah. So I, I don't do a lot of, of, of out, yeah, no outdoor things. I have a mountain bike, and I'll get out sometimes and do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have done some trail hiking. South Sister is one of those things that I'd like to do. Yeah, um, but no, I, I keep it. You know, I, I'm pretty basic. You know, I, I enjoy the outdoors, but uh, do we do a lot of the things that Central Oregon are known for? No, no, mm-hmm. not a lot. But but I don't. I don't feel that I'm missing anything. Sure. So yeah. I live in a, a beautiful place and, and I love it. Uh, we love the beach. Awesome. So we like yeah. to get over to the beach. Nice. And so we do. You mean that. the Oregon coast? The Oregon coast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we can call it the beach. Okay. <laughs> we, we, <laughs> no, the Oregon coast. <laughs> I was just clarifying. <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> Absolutely. It can be not. cold out there. <laughs> it can be. It can. We were just over there a couple weeks ago and it was beautiful yeah you never know and it's so right. stunning when it is i mean in amazing. all in all weather actually i really enjoy the coast so it was amazing great. it was amazing so what about martial arts did you train in some martial arts during? i have i've trained in martial arts uh, for about 20 let's see i'll be 50 uh almost 30 years mm-hmm. um, now so uh, originally I started in an Okinawan form called Gojiryu, uh-huh. uh, and I did that for a really short period of time. Uh, I had a really good friend who was into Indonesian martial arts, and I studied uh, an Indonesian martial art called Pukalan for probably about two years. And then I had a good friend in college. Uh, he studied a form of Chinese martial art called Kung Tao. Mm-hmm. And that's where I got my black belt okay. in, in Kung Tao. And, you know, if people are, if they go, I've never really heard of it. It's um, really similar to Salat. So, you know, think Indonesian, Filipino, uh, 
kind of a flavor. So I did that for a long time. And, uh, and, and would you say it's fighting style? It's um, self-defense? Or yes. Is it weaponry? All, all of it. All of it. All, all, of, it. Yeah. all of it. Right. So, uh, you know, it's, it's primary. It's, it's primary function just because it was, you know, born out of the jungles in Indonesia. It was a, it was a fighting system. So, um, not really, um, given to a lot of the way we think of martial arts taught in the United States where, you know, there are tournaments and things like that. So it was, it was a fighting system Mm -hmm. primarily. Um, then around 19, probably 1997, uh, I met a group of guys that lived in the city just North of me. And they studied JKD Mm -hmm. uh, So Bruce Lee's philosophy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I hooked up with them and, and I was hooked. So I got into Jeet Kune Do concepts probably around 1997 and I studied with them for about six, seven years. Mm-hmm. So a lot of boxing, a lot of stick work, yeah. a lot of, that's where I was introduced to jujitsu. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's kind of my background there. But my, my primary art is the Chinese art of Kung Tao, although I love boxing. I have a great, I love to box. I love the sticks. Yeah. Um, you know, do you still train in, in all your forms or what is your, so primarily, uh, you met my, my good friend, coach Holly, mm-hmm. when we came in. So she's been my personal client probably ever since I've been here. So about 12 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so twice a week, her and I always, we, we mix it up. So she enjoys learning. So I kind of teach her, uh, you know, right now I'm, I'm back actually training with, uh, a coach that I trained with about 16 years ago and we're doing a lot of stuff virtually because of where he is in COVID and, and it's actually been really fortuitous because he had migrated away from kind of personal coaching to uh, his, his business is primarily around training law enforcement military groups. Huh. So he was only training his instructor cadre so he wasn't doing any private lessons and I ran into him at an event in January and we reconnected, and so I've been. He calls it the garage gym. <laughs> so uh, it's uh, the Spear System by Coach Tony Blower. So I'm back studying that. That's least, amazing. At least four days a week. Oh wow, yeah. that's impressive. So at least four days a week. I, you know, we we get on virtual calls, and he coaches uh, about 200 of us through the week. That's so good. Yeah, so it's been pretty cool because it's like a one-on-one coaching session with them. That's great. Uh, we have a good time. So I do that, and then, you know, I'll, I'll box and do stick work, you know, probably twice a week. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. How So how would you say your martial arts, I know obviously what it's done for you probably physically, but for the mind, for the the Zen, you know, the heart, the spirit, like, can you, um, give a little opinion on that Hmm. and how that's changed your, your life? That's a, that's a, that's a deep question. (laughs) Um, you know, I think when I first, I I remember the, uh, instructor that I studied with in Kung Tao. I remember he asked him asking me, why do you want to study? And I remember saying, I want to get my black belt. Mm-hmm. And he said, why do you want your black belt? And I said, um, because it means that I would have mastered it. Mm-hmm. And I remember him saying that when you reach the black belt level, and, and it didn't make sense to me then, it makes a lot of sense to me now. He says, 
then you're ready to learn. <laughs> and I remembered when I got my black belt, he put his black belt on me. And his black belt, because he'd been studying for like 40 years, mm-hmm. his black belt almost looked white again. It was just worn and mm-hmm. tattered. And I remembered, you know, thinking, I think I understand. So how I approach um, martial art is as a tool to constantly um, examine me. Mm. I'm always examining myself. Um, you know, why, why am I doing this? What, what is the purpose in it? Does this still make sense? So I'm always using it as a tool to constantly refine who I am as a, as a person. Now, I think at one point it was, uh, you know, to be able to defend myself and, and now so much more just because I'm so much more aware of the things that can happen, especially when people engage in combat. Right. Uh, I'm so much more interested in learning how not to become engaged in all of those things. So it's almost like my practice facilitates um, this understanding on a bigger level so that I don't engage in those things. So it's constantly a, a, a personal introspection kind of a task. And so I'm just constantly refining who I am as a person. I, I hope that I'm, I'm getting quieter and more gentle as I get older mm-hmm. than not. That's amazing. Thank you for that very honest <laughs> and real answer. Oh, you're yeah. welcome. You're welcome. So um, now, now, but, yeah, let's let's you know continue the journey. Yeah. So you moved to Redmond, and mm-hmm. and then you know what was what was next for you in your second stage of career, yeah. stage of career, whatever it was. You know, so um, I, were, I remember on the drive here, we're driving here. My wife says, "What are you going to do?" You know, because I think <laughs> every, 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 every wife is like, do you have a plan? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, not that she even needs to agree with it. She just needs to go, yeah, do you have one? Do, do you have a plan? <laughs> and I said, I think I'll get a job at, you know, a gym as a trainer. So uh, I, I landed here on a Monday. I think by that Saturday, I had a job at the big gym here in Redmond. Huh. Uh, as a, I worked front desk for a while. And then I became their personal training manager and personal trainer. So I ran the personal training group at the, at the gym. And I was there for probably about seven months. And so now you got to think 2008-ish. Uh, this is the time that CrossFit. Well, and, but this is also the time that CrossFit um, has, is really kind of starting to get its legs as a as a new way to train and exercise. Um, through actually Coach Blower, I met the founder of CrossFit in 2006 and I was completely um, intrigued at, at its original mandate. And, and, I, and I have to say that because um, personally, being kind of what I think is a little bit of an old schooler, mm-hmm. uh, I think it, it kind of migrated away at some point from what I understood it to be, and, and it became, you know, very uh, competition heavy and, mm-hmm. and those kinds of things. And, and again, uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. It's not a wrong thing. It was just, uh, at, at some point it became not right for me. Yes. Uh, but I, I don't think that it's a bad thing. Mm. So uh, I think a lot of 
what we're experiencing right now, the growth in the fitness industry and all of the things, the rebirth of Olympic weightlifting and powerlifting and strongman, I think really all uh, should shake CrossFit's hand for uh, giving people uh, permission to get off the couch and actually explore physicality in a completely different way. So I think that it actually breathed life back into a whole lot of other things. Um, so I, we met, uh, I met the founder of CrossFit 2006. I remember telling my wife, you know, this, I think this has got something. We move here. I'm at the gym and the owner of the gym. Uh, I said to him, Hey, have you ever heard of this CrossFit thing? And he goes, no, what is that? <laughs> and, uh, I remember we started doing CrossFit in the main gym and, uh, it just kind of took off. Well, September of 2008, um, my wife and I and two friends, we opened uh, this physical location as a CrossFit affiliate, and we were a CrossFit affiliate for about eight years. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then, you know, just personal growth. At one point in time, I wanted to be a professional bodybuilder, so I had that kind of idea. I was always doing powerlifting kind of training, uh, and I just kind of went full circle. You know, CrossFit kind of gave me permission again to explore mm. once again. And, and I kind of came back to some things and said, you know, I had great success bodybuilding. So why am I excluding that? Mm. And I had great success powerlifting. Why am I excluding that? So we kind of just started, um, you know, migrating back in there. And, and then I found strongman and kind of fell in love with strongman. I just thought strongman was like the greatest thing. I was always intrigued with it from the outside, you know, I kind of looked at it. Uh, then I started competing in it and uh, coaching in it and the Lord blessed me and I've had the opportunity to coach some fantastic athletes, females <laughs> in, in Strongman. So 2014, uh, we coached the middleweight 160 pound national champ. Uh, she's, you know, remains one of our dearest friends. She's a phenomenal person. And, we had a national level qualifier in 2018 in the middleweight division, as well as a heavyweight competitor that qualified for nationals last year. Wow. So, uh, and those two were actually trained remotely. Huh. So I would see them probably once or twice, you know, leading in the competitions to work on some things, but most of their work we did remotely. That's impressive. So pre-COVID even. Yeah, pre-COVID. <laughs> Pre-COVID. Again, you were so ahead of the game. <laughs> yeah. So so that's what we, you know, been doing. Um, and then probably six years ago, uh, we really got into kettlebells. Mm -hmm. uh, i I've been a fan of Pavel's for I don't know, over 20 years. Mm -hmm. uh, Pavel wrote for a, a magazine called Muscle Media 2000, and I was into bodybuilding, and so I read a lot of Pavel's work and uh, followed a lot of his protocols, so I, I knew that he had the goods. Uh, and I remember when he started the RKC and, uh, and all of that stuff. Um, so about six years ago, uh, we went to a TSC yeah. up in Washington and fortuitously um, we were at Andrea Chang's gym Kettlebility up there yeah. and the community um, who, who they were just everything about them just drew us in mm -hmm. and you know just how I feel 
God ordains moments in our life. Uh, I go to my level one in Tucson, Arizona, uh, a gym called T- Tucson Strength. So I uh, was, uh, was run by a guy named Danny Sawaya, who's a team leader. Uh, and we have 14 people hmm. in my level one. Wow. So lots of personalized uh, coaching, yeah. lots of one-on-one. Uh, and that's where I met Masters R. Horton, who is now one of my dearest friends on the planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, Danny Sawaya is a huge influence to me. And that just, you know, led uh, to a lot of other meetings. And Strong First is is something that we embrace fully and wholeheartedly. Sure. And that's, you know, of course, connected uh, me to folks like John Oden and, yes. and things like that, who John is becoming one of my dearest friends. Yeah. And he coaches me in mobility. I know. Yeah, that's the best part. <laughs> so he's, he's, my, he's my mobility coach. Yes. And uh, so he, he's always kind of tweaking and helping me move a little bit better. Right. And, uh, well, and it helps recovery. It so does. Much. It, it yeah. does. So, so that's kind of what we do now. I, I spend the lion's share of my time um, doing personalized coaching. Mm-hmm. My wife coaches some classes. Coach Holly coaches our kettlebell classes. I do mostly personalized coaching and um, working with competitive athletes. So mm-hmm. athletes that come in and say, hey, we want to do X, mm-hmm. then I'm the one that works You're with. like the one who helps them get to their goal. Yes, ma'am. What would you say, uh, thank you for sharing all oh, that. Oh, you're welcome <laughs> so wonderful. much. Uh, what would you say is kind of your best way to inspire people? Hmm. The best way to inspire your your favorite way or your, you know, I heard a term just last week and, and I think it represents who I believe that I've been made to be and what I've always tried to do. Uh, the term is a Zulu term. Uh, and it's Sawabona. And Sawabona means I see you. Mm-hmm. I think the way that I inspire people is I see them. And in seeing them, what I do is I hold their hand or I help them see themselves. Mm-hmm. And once somebody can see who they really are, I think then the world opens up for them. So, because um, motivation is constantly dangling the carrot out in front of them, you know, and uh, and that's why it gets me emotional. Yeah, kind of, kind of thinking it's about very it. moving, actually. Um, <laughs> so, when you're trying to motivate somebody, it's almost like you're 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 trying to. Uh, you know, kind of push them mm-hmm. uh, along someplace. What I try to do is get inside with them and say, okay, let's, let's journey together. Mm-hmm. And inspiration literally means in spirit. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, uh, you know, if you study uh, the Bible and I'm not saying that, you know, anybody needs to or doesn't need to. It's just who I am. So sure. I always speak in that, con- in that concept. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Bible, the spirit was the breath. Mm. And the breath represented life. So when you're talking about inspiring someone, 
uh, I think we have to connect um, their vision to life. So what, um, what I try to do is what the German philosopher Goethe said is if you see a man the way that he is, he only becomes worse. If you see him the way that he could be, then he becomes what he should be. So I'm always trying to see people. And so when I tell them, Salobona uh, literally means I see you, not just you, this expression, this external image of you, but I see you. I see where you're struggling in your failures. I see your hopes. I see your dreams. I see your aspirations. I, I see them. So once I connect there, then what I help them do is see themselves. Mm-hmm. That's how Beautiful. I. That's Thank how you. I inspire. Really. I, I try to. Inspire. Well, I'm inspired. <laughs> That was amazing. Thank oh, thank you, you. so much. Yeah, yes. It's emotional for me. It is? Well, it's a lot of, uh, you know, my wife, she says a lot to me. Uh, she says, you, you know, sometimes you got to create some space. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, I, I, I don't know any other way than to actually roll up my sleeves and get in the trenches with people. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't uh, know how to do that. Uh, Dan John is a coach that I truly enjoy. And he had a saying, I heard him say one time, the body is one piece. So I don't know how to help someone physically without also touching them emotionally, relationally, spiritually, Mentally, I don't. I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to just go. Hey, Doc, uh, we're going to do you know five sets of three without also going. Hey, how was your day? Mm-hmm. And I don't know how many training sessions I've changed over the years because a client will walk in and I will say, "How are you?" And they look at me and completely mm-hmm. lose it. Because they they trust me, um, they believe that I have their best interests at heart, and they can see that I can see them. So they share, and then we've changed training sessions. It's like, oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna hit a three rep max deadlift today, and you're like, you know, my dog just died, and my kids right. sick, my my husband just lost his job, and I'm like. Oh, you're not, no, you're not, gonna, you're not going to be at your best today doing that. Yeah. And sometimes it's a walk and a talk. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's a, Hey, let's throw on some boxing gloves and let's yeah, hit, the, hit let's hit, let's hit the bag. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's like, Hey, this would be a great day to, uh, you know, go on a 5,000 meter row. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I don't, I don't know how to coach people, um, without seeing them. I, I just don't know how to do it. Um, well, I think that's a beautiful gift. Uh, yeah. yeah. And so. I'm sure that, um, that's what draws your people to you. I hope, <laughs> I hope, uh, uh, that's, um, that's a hope, uh, maybe a little bit of ego. I hope that, uh, um, people would say, um, I'm a little bit better because I spent some time with Tom. Mm-hmm. That's what I would hope. That's amazing. Yeah, thank you. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very touched by all of this. No, thank I really you. Appreciate you sharing. Yeah, thank you. Um, 
how would you to segue into that and mm-hmm. not to keep going deeper but oh <laughs> why, no it's good. it's good um how do you inspire yourself or what inspires you oh another oh man you're you're coming up with some great <laughs> questions you know somebody asked me maybe two years ago you know what what would i say to 20 year old me and so that really has me, me thinking a lot. And what inspires me is to constantly be moving toward a version of myself that my older self would be proud of. Mm-hmm. I, w- I would like, you know, I, I turn 50 next month. Mm-hmm. Congrats. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, I turn 50 next month. I'm hot on your heels. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> a couple years. I would like 60-year-old Tom Mm. to look back at 50-year-old Tom and say thank you. Mm. That's so that's what inspires me. Am I am I am I continuing to be the best version of myself mentally, emotionally, relationally, spiritually, and, and physically, you know, I'm I'm you know, I was a competitive athlete. I played basketball in high school and college and competed in strongman and bodybuilding. And, uh, you know, there's an image when I could just, I could do so many things. And now I'm, it's different now. Yeah. So I'm constantly going, okay, what is, what is the strongest physical version of Tom look like at 50? Right. Who is, who, who am I at 50? So those are the things that, inspire inspire me on a on a on a personal level and I enjoy I enjoy learning uh, so I, I learn learn something every day mm. I'm always reading mm-hmm. I'm, I'm constantly reading something um, nonfiction I assume mostly I, I read a lot of non- <laughs> you know it, it's dog I mean digress yeah let's do it <laughs> I I cannot read uh, fiction I can't read fiction I can listen to fiction mm-hmm. so if I listen to a fiction book it's like an audio book sure. I can listen to it storytelling yep, whatever, it's story. yeah. uh, but I can't read a non-fiction or a fiction book mm-hmm. I, all my reading is pretty much non-fiction right. and it's either I'm reading something about training mm-hmm. uh, I'm reading something about personal development uh, I'm reading something spiritual. I'm reading something related to coaching or relationship building or sure. leadership. Uh, so, um, you know, the fact that God gives me breath and I get to learn something new today, um, that's inspiring to me. And it's like, there's there's something to be learned today. So, yeah, that's what's and that's exciting. growth and change and resilience, really. Resilience. Moving forward in I life. Love I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things that has helped me in my own training and my own mm-hmm. martial arts learning um, is just this like coming back to center, mm-hmm. you know, and finding, I mean, you mentioned it a little bit too, just finding your better self and, um, and feeling inspired from the spirit, you know, within. And I keep coming back to the breath and I love that you kind of brought that into full circle because um, I think that there's an awareness societally of 
breath right now. I mean, interestingly, the virus, you know, has shown us the importance of breathing and breathing well. Um, how do you find your own connection to breath? Hmm. How do I find my own connection to breath? Um, I, I think I think about it when I'm in a moment where I'm not. Mm-hmm. If that makes yes, sense. Um, so I know one of the one of the practices that uh, Coach uh, Odin has me doing is you know just. In, in my resets, it's, you know, just being more aware of my, of my breathing. And, you know, when he's asking me to maybe get into some positions that um, historically have either presented pain mm-hmm. or have been difficult, you know, uh, spend some time breathing right. in, in those places, you know, so you're, you're starting to uh, connect the, the breath to uh, a position of, of strength and control, and, and so it's that. Uh, I, it's funny, you know. It seems cliche-ish, you know. You're in a situation, and you know things are heightened, and you know we've all heard it. You know, take mm-hmm. a breath, right? You know, and if you breathe in those moments, it gives you some space mm-hmm. to then kind of think and and, and weigh and consider. So. Uh, for me, that's that's probably uh, how I use it a lot. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, we were having a conversation on the kettlebell swing, mm-hmm. and one of uh, you know. So what I talk about in the kettlebell swing, if I can, please, just just kind of my thinking. <laughs> yes. You know, uh, when you think about the kettlebell swing, the the body's just in two shapes. Mm-hmm. It's either in a hinge or it's in a plank. Right. So I started thinking about, well, you know, why do we breathe? What, what's, what's the purpose of, you know, that strong breath that, that we take, um, you know, when we're, when we're doing kettlebell swings. So inhaling, going into the hinge, exhaling, going to the plane. Yeah. So why, why do that? And I was just kind of thinking about that. And, and this is just the world according to Tom. <laughs> um, the breath protects us in between structures. So moving from the the hinge is a strong structure. The plank is a strong structure. Mm -hmm. Where does the breath take place? Mm -hmm. The breath takes place in between those structures. So as I'm getting to structure, the breath protects. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've been thinking about the breath that way. So the breath protects me uh, as I'm moving between structures in relationship. So our relationship is, is in flux. So having the ability to take a breath and give us some protection mm-hmm. so I don't say something that later on I'm not going to be able to, to walk away from is easy. So taking a breath, the breath protects me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm dealing with something that's mentally challenging. The breath protects me mm-hmm. as, as I you know, kind of expand my awareness and problem solve and, and some of those things. So, mm. so that's how I've been kind of thinking about the breath a little bit more. Uh, if that yeah, really makes any no, sense. I, I really think that's amazing because it, it is 
I mean, because it stimulates that parasympathetic nervous system, our, our rest, recovery, digest, mm-hmm. you know, I think you're spot on because those are the vulnerable situations, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, think about animals. Yes. When they're resting, they're in their most vulnerable state. Most vulnerable. And I think all of us, when I have patients who aren't sleeping, let's say, mm-hmm. and they come in for whatever, an ankle injury or something, where am I going to start? I'm going to start with the sleep, of course, because mm-hmm. that's their recovery. That's mm-hmm. their, like, um, you know, they can rejuvenate during that time. Absolutely. And that's when healing happens. Absolutely. Right? And so... And, and teaching them to breathe allows that that process to start. Absolutely. They can get tapped in again. So I love the way you describe that. I just finished my 10,000 swings yesterday. I, I, saw, I saw that you were like 500 left. Saturday I finished. Yeah, I was looking yeah. and she was like, I got 500 more swings yeah. left. Yeah, and honestly, those last 500 were some of the hardest ones. Absolutely. Because I wanted them to be really good still absolutely but i was like so damn darn close like (laughs) but i wish that i had had the breath conversation with you prior even though i really was looking back i was using it that way yeah but to to just you know the way you just kind of embodied it and and spoke it was and it's it's the world according to tom everybody you know so i was was just kind of thinking about it and and, you know and i I love i love mixed martial arts right Mm -hmm. so i I, a lot of boxing did you watch the fights on saturday I did not watch the fights on Saturday. Rose was great. <laughs> <laughs> and the hallway fight was good. Anyway. I watch a lot of it. And, and, you'll, and if you listen, you know, we, we, we look at the, the flair and the yes. pomp and circumstance of the fight. But I'm, I'm always looking at, you know, the, the technical things, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, oh, did they see that opening? Or, oh, they did see that opening. Right. So one of the things, if you listen to boxers or MMA people, when they're throwing punches you will actually hear the breath that we duplicate in the swing. You will hear that hard style breathing. For sure. Well, why? Because when I'm attacking, I'm vulnerable. So I'm, I'm, I'm not in a structure, you know, where if I'm waiting on something, I can, I'm in a structure that will allow me potentially to, to take some punishment. Right. But when I'm attacking, that's when I'm my most, that's my most vulnerable. So what do they do? They insert the breath there because the breath protects them in that structure. Mm -hmm. And, and so uh, I was just thinking about it. And one day we were in here, I was working with a good friend of mine and I was just talking about the breathing and, and that just kind of struck me and I said, well, well, why, why do we breathe here? Well, the hinge is strong. Mm -hmm. The plank is strong. But it's it's the space in between hmm. where we're at risk. Wow. I've seen people deadlift, pull up an amazing deadlift. They're doing everything right. And they hurt themselves putting the weight back on the floor. Mm-hmm. Right? They yeah. just because they 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 went from this really strong structure. To a strong structure, the breath's protecting them, and then they forget, and then they put the weight down poorly, and, 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 that's the end and yeah, mm-hmm. you know. But you know, if they maintain their breath and say, "Hey, it's not done until I'm back in this strong structure," but I was just thinking about the the space in between, yeah, and the breath 
protects us there. So that's how I've been exploring breathing. And, and, and like I said, the work with uh, John, you know, when I'm in some of these positions where, oh, that hurts and I would want to come out, right. you know, come out of it. And he's like, well, can you breathe into that place for a little bit? And then I'll spend some time breathing there. And then all of a sudden it's, it's not bad anymore. And it's like, Oh, now I have, I now have this new range. That's right. And it's the breath that gave me, because what happens when we're in pain or discomfort? Yep. We I'm, see that. I'm holding my breath. I'm <laughs> not, right. I'm not breathing. Right. That's so right. it's like breathe because it's important. Mm -hmm. So beautiful. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> so, um, let's kind of close up, but I'd love sure. to just hear like, um, you know, what your goals are now with your gym, if you have any new visions and then maybe finish that with, you know, how people can reach out to oh, you. If absolutely. In connecting. Ah, you, you know, uh, COVID has, has really, <laughs> you know, kind of, you know, kind of changed, uh, the game. I think when we left, you know, our, our kind of our CrossFit, um, idea, uh, I'm a teacher at heart. I love teaching people. I like, you know, uh, seeing people, the light bulbs come on because they go, oh, I've never, I've never thought about it that way. So I think for us in the gym, uh, we want to, we want a place that, is a school that's that's what we are have been trying to create that we um, we get people to to think about strength maybe initially physically but that it eventually becomes uh, something that they understand goes well beyond just the physical realm right. so so we're always talking about again I, I see you um, the emotional relational all, all of those things and how they connect. So, um, you know, I, I want that kind of a space. I love the kettlebell training. I love the philosophies, uh, the principles of, of strong first. So I would, I would probably see us in the years to come really just kind of moving m more in that direction. I told John, it's funny the other day, he, uh, presented me with just an amazing present, uh, and gave me this mace uh -huh. that, uh, had an engraving on it that means something so personal and dear to me. And I said, you know, if I was starting over from the ground up, <laughs> uh, kettlebells and maces yeah. and, you know, really, um, teaching people how to engage in a physical world physically. Um, so I, I think as I, as I get older, um, helping people rediscover um, that they they still have physicality. Yes, that's what I want to do. Um, you know, Peter's class that I, where yes. I met you. Yes. Um, I I had forgot to play in training. I you know it was always work. It was right. like I go in and I, I gotta get this done. Get it done. I right. Get knock this it out. done. I knock it out. And now. Uh, I'm starting to have fun. You know, the mace is fun for me yes, because I'm just, I'm playing. I'm, right. I'm learning it's something. Curious and yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. I like that word. It's, mm -hmm. it's curious. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, I, I want to create a space. Uh, and I think my wife would be on board with having a space where people can be curious mm -hmm. about their physicality. Yes. And, uh, and then in the process they can learn. 
um, about themselves and about about other people. So, right. so that's you know, uh, kind of, you know, where I would like to ultimately, you know, see see the gym go. And, that's great. Will you? Um, I meant to ask you about the ethos of strength. Oh yeah, it's like a good time right now. So, in in Greek. Um, they had three three terms. Uh, so logos was logic or the word. Um, pathos was emotion. So when you see them talking about the path pathos, they're talking about emotion. Ethos was culture mm-hmm. or, or the quality of the thing. So uh, when I heard Dan John say the first time. Uh, the body is one piece. I don't know why that always stuck with me, but it always, it just kind of resonated with me. So the ethos of strength was this idea that the inability to display strength in any of the areas that I've kind of, kind of penciled down on or uh, kind of narrowed in on and said, I think these pillars represent who we are as, as humans. Uh, mental, emotional, mm-hmm. how we think and feel. Mm-hmm. Relational, how we engage other people who think and feel. Mm-hmm. Spiritual strength, and, and of course, I, I speak of it in, in a Christian context, but I don't think that we have to limit it to a, a Christian context, but it is a recognition that there is something bigger than any of us. Mm-hmm. Regardless of what name you put yes. to it, it's a realization that there is something bigger mm-hmm. than uh, we are. And then physical strength, um, you know, this, this um, conveyance that we are living this life in. So my idea, or kind of my thesis statement, was that if I possess an inability to display strength in any area, any one of those areas, it affects the ability to display strength in any of the other areas. So, um, you know, if I'm if I'm having a difficulty mentally and emotionally so I'm not displaying strength mentally and emotionally how does that affect my relationships right of course if I'm I had a hip replacement five years ago and me and my wife had decided it was at the point doc (laughs) I was literally sleeping an hour a night yeah I was just so unacceptable I was just in so much pain I mean Uh, that's how we torture people yes I was I was in so much I mean I was in so so much pain so my wife and I had decided that we were going to do the surgery in the fall Mm -hmm. we said okay we're gonna gonna get the surgery yeah I'm 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 like okay we're gonna do the surgery in the fall she and I are having a conversation in March and she mentioned that one of the ladies said, or asked her, she said, is Tom okay? Mm. And she said, eh, you know, his, his hip's bad and he's got to have surgery on it and he's not sleeping very good. He's in pain all the time. And the lady said, one of the students here said, oh, that, ex- that makes sense. 
She hmm. said, because he's different. Hmm. And I said to my wife, I said, I'm not different. <laughs> and my wife goes, yeah, you are. Mm. And I said, how? And she said, you walk around with this low-grade anger all the time. Mm. So I'm experiencing an inability to display strength physically because I'm in pain. Mm -hmm. And it was affecting me mentally and emotionally. And I was displaying it relationally. Right. But I was completely unaware. I couldn't see. I couldn't mm -hmm. I couldn't see it. So so the ethos is is really all about how do we become the strongest, most powerful versions of ourselves by uh, our ability to express strength in all of those four pillars. Mm. You know, can I be strong physically? And, and when I say strong physically, it's relative. Of course. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm not saying everybody needs to deadlift 500 yeah. pounds. <laughs> but if you can't, um, if you can't do basic things yeah, in life. Yeah, get them down off the floor. Right, because you, you, you need to. Mm -hmm. that, that is going to affect other areas of, of your life. If, mm -hmm. if you think that this is all there is to existence and there is not something else outside, if, you know, regard, and I think every religion or belief has some idea of faith. Mm -hmm. If you have no faith, mm -hmm. how does that affect how you relate to people and, you know, just everything, yes. and, yeah. you know, and if you have, if you don't have, um, powerful, authentic relationships, how, how does that affect, you know, all those things, you know, if me and the missus are not connecting emotionally and, and on a relational level, I don't, I don't want to train. Yeah, that's right. I don't want to train, mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, lose a child a spouse, mm -hmm. you're not going to the gym. Yeah. Or dog. Mm -hmm. It's a relationship. Yeah, it's it's a relationship. Mm -hmm. So, so that's the idea behind the ethos mm -hmm. is, is how, how do, how do I help people become the strongest, most vibrant expressions of themselves? Kind of looking at these, these four uh, pillars of, of strength. It's beautiful. And just, I love the structure of it because it's so applicable to every human, uh, you know? Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. Yes. So this is, that's Tom in a, in a nutshell, <laughs> you know, I'm just kind of, uh, Perfect. just kind of, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I feel, I feel honored and privileged that, um, people trust me and, mm. and I get to, um, walk with so many amazing people in life's on life's journey. I was talking to my good friend, coach Holly today. And I said, you know, we, we were actually talking about podcasts mm -hmm. and, uh, and I said, you know, some, some of the, you know, the podcast that everybody will tune into, um, you know, we want to listen to Will Smith mm -hmm. and we, we want to hear from Joe Rogan. Right. And we do, we want to hear. And I said, but you know, there are so many, what I call ordinarily extraordinary people walking around. And I think their stories are equally 
as important for us to engage in and, and share because your story um, may give me some insight into understanding my story and or the courage to share my story, which may help someone in their story. So I, I believe we're all connected. Absolutely. That's great. Thank you. So how can people find you if they're interested in learning more? Well, just- awesome. Mm-hmm. So our, our gym, uh, we have a website for our gym. So if somebody was really interested in uh, kind of checking us out, uh, it's www.breakthroughstrengthandperformance.com. Mm-hmm. Okay. I would I would do that different if I could do it over. It's like the longest, like the longest. Uh, so that's our that's our gym website. Uh, I'm on Instagram as the Ethos of Strength. So um, you know I try to you know put out something daily in terms of you know uh, something to think about. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll throw some videos up where you know I'm having thoughts and mm-hmm. I'm engaging people and just in conversation. Uh, some things to, to think about there. I'm in the process of getting a little YouTube channel up and that'll be the ethos of strength. Great. YouTube. So, Wonderful. so those are the places where everybody can kind of connect with me and our gym. And okay. All right. Well, some. Cali sticks next time I'm here. Cali, <laughs> let's, let's do Callie it. Sticks, please. That let's so fun. do it. Absolutely. It's so much fun. <laughs> so fun. It was so fun, wasn't it? The playfulness, like you said, and just amazing. being outside. And when, I mean, I felt, um, the sense of aliveness again. Yep. I mean, not that I, I feel pretty vibrant most of the time, yeah, but I, there's something about that kind of movement that just, um, sparks you know, some, awesome yeah, you were tons of fun. You were just, you were just smiling and laughing. And, and I, and I think everybody yes. experienced the, the same, group. the yeah. whole group experienced the same thing. And it just lifts those inhibitions, I think too, or those, you know, self-conscious moments of, yes, um, yeah. So we can step into more authenticity, I think. And Peter Wolf obviously has such a great way of He's inviting that. He was you know, amazing. Yeah, yeah, drawing that out in people, which is great. So Absolutely. So I'm excited to, you know, in future journeys like Absolutely. cross paths with all of you more. So Well like I said, John and I are have connected. We've known each other for a bit. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it's just timing. Yes. And, and sometimes life is all about, you know, a moment. And he and I have reconnected on a on a deeper richer level. So I'm sure that you'll see me, Yes, you know, quite a bit as you train with him. I know. Uh, so I'll pop in from time to time. Good. I look forward to it. Well, thank you so much for being here today. It's an honor and privilege to have you. Thank you. Um, I just really appreciate your, um, vulnerability and your willingness to just share from the heart. Well, thank you. It's very meaningful and and I hope that it helps other people out there. Yes. Thanks Tom. All right, Tom. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, ma'am. Thank you for listening to Dr. Michelle's Wild Warrior Podcast. If you enjoy the show, please like, subscribe, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information on Dr. Michelle, please visit drmichellem.com and follow her on Instagram at ethereal underscore fighter.